1: Happy birthday edition of FNO Insurtech. I am your co host once again, Rob Beller, coming to you from beautiful and rainy California. And I have oh, rain. I have that's we're very happy about that. And I have with me my partner in crime, my co host. Yeah. yeah. Who's been with me on every episode except the ones we haven't been on together.
2: Yeah. A handful.
1: A handful. And that would be Mr. Lee Boyd, who in the past week celebrated a little something. I did. And then everybody forgot
2: about it. That's everybody okay. everybody
1: forgot about it except his wife.
2: She God did remember. Her. She was she was very nice. Did your kids remember? They remembered. Did your it parents remember? Nice. They did. Most okay. people who love me remembered.
1: Okay, well, most is the key
2: word there. (laughs) Most. And um, did
1: Alicia remember?
2: Well, but I think she did. She just forgot to say anything. (laughs) Well, I'm in that category. You're in that category as well. Lee turned the page on a decade. Yeah. Right? I did. Tell us how old you are, Lee. I am 40. I'm officially 40, which is funny because I get asked a lot how old I am.
1: Do you really? Yeah, because you look like you're
2: 14. I get asked a lot, a lot of people, but, you know, a lot of people don't ask. They always kind of skirt around it. They want to know, but, but they don't come out and say it because it can be rude. Uh, but I do get asked a lot, how old are you?
1: This, all of this being said has nothing to do with, with our
2: guest today. Our yeah. guest today, we have another Harvard graduate. We do. We do. We've had quite a few of those on. Some of our favorite guests have been Harvard graduates.
1: Some of our favorite guests. And I think you'll agree after you hear the episode this this is one of them. We have Jason Keck, who is co-founder and CEO at Broker Buddha.
2: He's going to come on and he's going to talk all about Broker Buddha. He's going to talk about the founding story. Uh, he's going to talk about uh, the agency side of InsureTech. And he has a, a digital client engagement platform that he's going to talk Ooh. about. And he's going to talk... All about that, why he's there and what it does and how he's changing the way that insurance is sold.
1: Absolutely. And this is a great example of you can be in a niche, but if it's a really important niche, then you can have quite a business. Absolutely. And this is an example of that. So without further ado, here is our interview with Jason Keck, co-founder and CEO at Broker Buddha. Hey, everybody. We are here with a special guest, and we're honored to have a fellow podcaster. That's right. With us today. How exciting. For all you people who thought that Lee and I were the only people that do a podcast in the world, we're not.
2: <laughs> no, there's, there's more than one, I think. I hate
1: to burst that bubble, but it's burst now because we have Jason Keck, who is the co-founder And CEO of Broker Buddha with us today. And Jason, tell us, what's your podcast?
0: Yeah, Rob, I run a podcast called The Enlightened Agent, which has been focused on telling the stories of insurance agents who protect the businesses that shape the world. That shaped the world. That's right. Wow. I came into insurance five years ago knowing almost nothing about it. Prior to coming in, if you'd, you brought up insurance at a cocktail party, I would have excused myself to get a drink pretty quickly Here, <laughs> totally. walk but, to the other room. Yeah, yeah. but you know, I've learned over the years that actually the work that people do in this space is incredible and they provide a very important and valuable service to businesses. And without that services, those businesses wouldn't exist Uh, companies like ours, for example, and we wouldn't have the opportunity to do all the great things that we do. So that's the focus of the podcast was to really tell the stories of those agents, because I feel like they generally get a bad rap otherwise.
1: That's great. It's amazing what's happened, if nothing else in the industry, then in the general public, to the rep of working in the insurance industry in the last, I'm going to say, eight eight years. And, And that, I believe, is in large part due to InsurTech, yep. because InsurTech has made it way cooler,
2: it way cooler,
1: <laughs> way more narrower Yep. than the old days when it was just strictly the island of insurance. But somehow a bridge got built, right? And now the, what's the coolest insurance conference of all? InsurTech Connect, right? With 10,000 people running around.
0: It, yep. It's a different landscape for sure you know, if you watch sports, you can't get away from insurance, right? But it's it's all the traditional brands. And it's only over the last five to 10 years where you've had these disruptors show up, you know, the lemonades, the roots that have made insurance more accessible and easier to engage with. And so yeah. it's by all means, you know, changed the face of the industry uh, in a good way. So it's kind of woken everybody up.
1: Yeah. And we could talk at a long time about that including <laughs> is it really the more things change the more things stay the same or what but that's not why we're here okay we're here to talk about broker buddha for god's sake awesome and so we're going to put the mic in front of you right now and ask you to tell us
0: what is broker buddha and what do you do there happy to tell the story about broker buddha and my journey here. So for leading insurance agencies in the country who are committed to the highest quality of service, uh, Broker Buddha is the digital client engagement platform that helps those agents improve customer loyalty um, by helping them deliver their brand promise online. So think about an online digital experience for businesses who work with these agencies that have historically used spreadsheets and PDFs as a way of exchanging information. Thanks to Broker Buddha, they now have an online way to interact with their agents, to send information, to sign documents, to see quotes, to get proposals. All of the tools and functionality that have been historically uh, or more recently available to other industries, uh, we're bringing those to insurance agents. Uh, And I'm the CEO and the co-founder here. I helped take the company out of an incubator five years ago and uh, turn it into what it is today.
2: So, is this a product between the carrier and the independent or captive agent? Is that where this fits?
0: No, this fits between the agent and the insured. Agent so and the
2: insured. I get that's it. That's right.
0: That's right. There's a, I would say, no shortage of insure techs that are focused on the inter- interaction between the agent and the carrier, uh, frankly, because that's what a lot of people understand. Mm-hmm. But one of the hardest things to do in my opinion, but frankly, one of the most important is how do you improve the interaction between the agent and the customer so that the client experience is simpler, easier, intuitive, and inspires trust. And and like I said, really delivers that agency's brand experience in an online world that frankly, most agents don't know how to do, right? They know right. that they want tools and technology to engage with their customer, but they just don't have the experience or the understanding of how to do it and profitability uh i mean well that's what every agency is looking for um but i would say this if you're a software company and you're not helping your clients become more efficient and more profitable like you shouldn't be in business right so it's like like the point of the
2: software right right? yeah (laughs) make it more efficient help them make money
0: that's right does your product face both the agent and the insured it does there is you can think of it as a in some ways, a client portal, which has a login for both the agent and the insured. So the agent can log in, they can access our library of over 10,000 smart forms that we've built. They can set up submissions, uh, which are essentially, you know, information sets that they need from their clients. And then instead of sending their clients an email with three PDFs that they have to download, print and, and sign and scan and send back, they just send their clients a link. And the client or the insured just clicks on a link in their email. It takes them right into the browser and allows them to answer questions and uh, sign documents.
2: So is it just about getting the the policy sold or is there more to the the workflow? Once the policy is sold, does the system and the software broker, Buddha, does it continue to interact with the insured, maybe through claims or, or renewal or things like that?
0: I believe as a startup, you have to focus on. And, and get one thing right. And um, our focus is around submissions. Those submissions can be new business. It could be renewal. Uh, it could be small. It could be medium. It could be large. It could be specialty. So we're line of business agnostic. We're class of business agnostic. We're size of business agnostic. Uh, most people use us for uh, commercial insurance. Okay. And they particularly like using us for their specialty lines that require... Uh, carrier supplementals which are traditionally delivered through you know multi-page pdfs that are uh, dense and and hard to complete so but but in terms of um mid-year changes endorsements claims things along those lines that's not an area we've jumped into yet uh, but it is something we've been been asked to start getting into more the mid-year changes less the claim side of things do you work in personal lines also we do support personal lines uh-huh. uh the data the data capture needs are a lot different, right? So Personal lines, it's really new business. You're looking for kind of like intake forms. And, you know, we have some people using us for all of their intake because they don't want one system for personal, one for commercial. So they they set us up for both. Uh, but the, the efficiency gains are much more on the commercial side where you have this annual renewal process that kind of forces you to update information that you've given them last year. But reality, a lot of the information hasn't changed. So... So your customer is the agent. That's right. Or the agency, really. The so agency, we, we, excuse me. We, yeah, we focus on um, tier one and two agencies, which is really you know the top 100s, people who have the capacity and the energy to lean into the change management required to set up new processes. So the agency, we sell to the agency, we sell seat licenses. So they look at the number of people in the company, like an AMS who kind of need to mm-hmm. log in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they pay, they pay us on a per user basis. Um, and that's the way the system works.
1: Is this an enterprise system for the yep. agency?
0: It is. Tell, yep. tell us about that. What's involved in that? It's funny. When I first helped found the company, we spun out of an incubator and we were based on a high growth digital agency called Founder Shield, which was a smaller agency, very digital savvy, but, um, relatively speaking, a smaller company, um, and I came in not knowing much about insurance, and I went out and interviewed a bunch of agencies, and I said, wow, you guys all do things really differently. Um, and so we built a platform that was highly configurable. In other words, if, if you know it, one agency wants to use it one way, another one wants to use it a different way, there's ways to set up the system to support each agency's workflows. Turns out smaller agencies didn't have the capacity to really invest in that configuration. They were looking for something a bit more turnkey. And so we started moving up market to focus on these sort of enterprise agencies, if you will, um, partially because they the tools that we built were uniquely uh, designed to support this sort of spe- special configuration for the large agency, um, and, pulso- and partially because some of the features that we built from scratch, which is um, API access to your data, were things that you know these larger agencies really wanted and needed and could leverage. So. Started out SMB focused, learned a lot in our early years. Uh, focusing more on enterprise today, and having a lot of success. Mm-hmm.
2: So, do do the agents already have relationships with the carriers, or is that something that you're bringing uh, to this group? Almost
0: all of the top hundred agencies have their their carrier appointments, you know, preset. We were just at the uh, CIAB's Insurance Leadership Forum, and you know, it's clear that's where a lot of those agents and carriers come together to structured deals and and build those relationships and put those contracts in place. So we don't get network access. We can facilitate the delivery of information to those carriers. Okay. So we have a contract with travelers to be able to deliver submission data digitally. Uh, we're running a pilot with Hanover um, and we just signed a partnership with an API aggregator to be able to facilitate uh, real-time quoting and binding of policies through our platform. Um, but our focus has really been about uh, helping the agent get information and engage with their insureds.
1: Going after the top 100 would seem to be a
0: highly competitive space. Is that the case? Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that anybody in the large broker software space would certainly be targeting them. No, in the sense that there's we're the only independent player in our space doing what we do. We had one competitor that was acquired by Applied Systems and the, you know, that product has not evolved much since the acquisition, which is unfortunately what happens a lot of times in this industry is, mm-hmm. you know, innovative startups get acquired and and then they get subject to the uh, profitability requirements of larger companies and they can't yeah. really invest in growth. Right. So I would say it's a lucrative space and it's one where there's a lot of demand uh, and it's one we're being pulled into by the nature of, of what we do.
1: I'm just wondering, uh, like we work in the cl- on the claims side right. and- we love to have top 25 customers why because of volume and you can really structure your your operations to be able to do an excellent job for them the problem is is that there's like a ton of other competitors out there who want the same thing yep. and so and see the same benefits that we do so it, it becomes uh, like our our space is highly competitive insanely competitive with competitors that we hear about every week that we've never heard of before. Hmm. But that's also the barriers to entry are low. And all it really takes is, in our spaces, if you have one customer, you can exist. Right. Right. So right. so tell us about your journey. Um, I'm sure there were systems existing when you started. How did you get to where you are today?
0: Yeah, in the broker software space, there are two major players, VertiFor and Applied. Right. They each run something called an agency management system, which are, you know, is a combination of policy admin and CRM and a suite of other functionality surrounding that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say about seven or eight years ago, you had companies like M Broker and CoverWallet who showed up. They were sort of the InsurTech 1.0 for brokers, right? These are online agencies who, you know, like the Lemonades and the Roots had sort of built a digital brand and they started to kind of threaten the agencies, right? These agencies looked over their shoulder and were like, uh-oh, like, are we going to become irrelevant soon? Mm-hmm. Or at least some of them did, right? Sure. There was some sort sure. of fear of that. I think most of them realized that what they do is beyond just online applications. They're actually providing real advisory value and consultative value and, and risk management value. Um, but they did discover that, hey, there's no reason we can't have tools like this, right? And so the Broker Buddha was in inspired in some way by those guys and another digital agency that I mentioned called Founder Shield, which is that, hey, if if, if you can build it yourself as an agency and become an agency out of it, then surely somewhere could, someone could provide the same software to you that does the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the, the genesis behind um, kind of the demand for Broker Buddha and the creation of Broker Buddha. Um, and since then, it's been you know, your typical startup journey of, of, um, trying to find exactly within that segment, the broker segment, you know, your product fits. And we've done that well over the last couple of years, focusing on these, these larger agencies. So why larger agencies as opposed to medium or smaller? So a couple of reasons. One, the probably the most importantly is that they have the infrastructure to do change management. Um, when you're adopting software, you know, I was a little naive when I came in. I thought, hey, if we build something great, people will just use it, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not that easy. <laughs> it's not that easy. So that's that's actually why one of my my new podcast series is focused on change management. Because, you know, look, when you have, you know, your people working at the desk are typically 40 to 60 year old, you know, very capable people, but have to be trained on technology and trained on workflow. Um introducing new technology is is can be complicated. And so what we discovered is that anybody any companies that have 20 or more employees tend to have either an IT manager or an ops manager who's responsible for overseeing company operations and workflows. Once you have those people in place, they're they're capable and have experience rolling out new software mm-hmm. and you know they're able to run a process to deploy that software. And so mm-hmm. You know we learned in our early days that you know yeah there's some smaller agencies who are digitally native that are capable um, but on on the whole it's it's the larger agencies who have the deployment capabilities um, they can also realize the efficiencies that scale more so the roi works out better for them um, and then i think i mentioned earlier but the ability to configure the platform to a specific workflow uh, is something that's a bigger requirement for the larger agencies than it is for the smaller ones I just
1: want to add at this point that Lee Boyd is in that cohort now of 40 to 60. Okay. So he's, yeah, that's he's, true. he's one of those people who true, um, is struggling with technology okay. by virtue of his age.
2: Thank you for um, that, Rob. Thank so you. talk
1: about your, your sales org. I mean, to get the attention of these people must be, must be challenging. Um, uh, how, how have you dealt with that, and, and and what what have you done innovatively to, besides just
0: calling them a thousand times? The truth is, our brand is incredibly strong. We actually just did a, a brand research study and found that the Broker Buddha name is fifty percent more recognizable among industry leaders than Vertifor or Applied. Congratulations! Thank you. I mean, I was I was excited to see the results. Sure, as would anybody, <laughs> I guess. Um, but in retrospect, you know, the, the name resonates really well. It speaks to who we're going after, brokers. It speaks to what we do, which is, you know, creating simplicity and, and transparency and the sort of the uh, enlightenment concept around Buddhism that makes life easier. That really resonates. And then the reference to Buddha in an insurance environment is always a little bit provocative. And so it, it, it gets people's attention and it's memorable. So,
1: totally. I mean, when we started working on your podcast... I I was like, what yo-yo situation is this? <laughs> I, yes, I call yes. Alicia, our producer. I'm like, Alicia, please, yep. let's. Let, we, there's so many out there. Right, do oh, we wow, have this to, one. But but you guys are 100 percent legit. I mean, and I, I'm big on names. I think that yep. there's a lot in a name. Yeah, right. and certainly from a brand recognition standpoint. Yep, it's not one you forget. That's right.
0: So that's, that's, that's step one. So when our salespeople call, right, people, it it makes a difference, right? I've heard of you before. There's a, there's a perceived sense of legitimacy because the name's been around now for five years. There's, you know, obviously customer testimonials are a big one, right? So we have a lot of success with some larger agencies and we're able to promote that on our website. We tell those stories every chance we get. We, our salespeople are resilient, right? They're going to pick up the phone and, you know, make a thousand phone calls every quarter. And that that goes a long way We go to conferences, um, and do all the traditional stuff. Uh, we also have support from carriers who like what we're doing and want to see brokers more successful. So they're putting our name out there, you know, we're hitting it from every angle.
1: Yeah. So, but do you also have a CRM component
0: to your platform? Uh, There is. Yeah. So beyond just submissions, we can track clients and their contacts in there as well. There's not, Mm -hmm. if you think about a submission, it's closely tied to an opportunity, right? Because in order for an agent to get paid, they win a deal, aka they have to, you know, they have to collect information from the client. They have to send it to the carrier. They have to get a quote. They have to turn it into a proposal. Um, and so there is a little bit of a submission tracking capability built in. So you can see where the submission is and its life cycle. Has it been created? Has it been shared? Has it been submitted? Has it been closed out? So there is a little bit of a kind of a mini CRM capability, but we're not a, you know, we're not trying to replace Salesforce or agency Zoom or some of these other insurance focused CRMs.
1: Do you integrate with those?
0: We do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not easily, unfortunately. The tools for integrating with the AMSs are fairly antiquated, um, but they're they're available, and we figured out how to do it. And that's one of the things that makes us better and different. Mm-hmm.
1: You mentioned earlier that you have ten thousand forms. That's right. That you've ten thousand
0: more than ten thousand, actually. Now, so that's um, crazy. Why? Why is that necessary? It's funny. The the reality is most agencies use 30 to 50 forms sure. as right as yeah. a standard but you know there's a huge long tail of applications that are required mm-hmm. and for agencies to feel comfortable using a platform they want to use they want to use one platform they don't want to split their work between you know hey I want to do some of my business online and some of my business offline and so every time a new agency comes onto the platform they give us the 20 to 50 forms that they use we digitize them we take them from pdf and make them into interactive online web forms and then we publish those out to every broker on the platform and mm, mm. after doing that for five years we've ended up with over ten thousand forms it's so, you just accumulate that's right because it, it becomes
1: they become shared that's right yeah are, they, are a, those forms carrier specific yep frequently yeah. i would think yep. so yeah, that. So it's the carrier that's really creating and publishing them.
0: That's right. I mean, uh-huh. I would say we one way to think of us is a, is a publishing platform for applications, right? So if you're a carrier, you could think of us as like, hey, if I want to get my updates out to all all the brokers who use Broker Buddha, they would come to us and send us their forms and we would publish them. Is that happening? It is happening. Yep. Uh-huh. So They must love historic- that. They must love that. I mean, that. in some ways, they can launch new products with us, right? It's like, hey, we have a new product, product product requires a form and I have a new form. I can go to Broker Buddha and publish the new product on the platform. Mm -hmm.
1: It's, it's interesting to me in insure tech, how, you know, it's evolving. And of course it's evolving way faster than insurance is evolving. Yeah. Because it's tech and tech is relatively in the grand scheme of things, new -er. or thing in this, And what companies I think like yours are finding is that there's really important spaces that aren't ginormous, but kind of specialized. And am I right in saying that with you guys? You got
0: to find a niche, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to find a problem space that is painful enough to require a solution and painful enough for people to spend money on it but big enough that you could make a real business out of it and with the potential to maybe move into a tangential area. Right. Mm -hmm, That's the way you crack in. Uh And would that be your advice to, to founders today? Yeah. hundred percent. Find a niche, find a lane, if you will, that you can get in. That's big enough. It's painful enough and that you're capable enough to solve for and focus on that and don't do anything else until you've, own that niche and then pivot out of it. We've seen that time and time again where people have captured, like,
1: I don't remember the name of the company, I'm sorry, but we had somebody who's just aggregating building codes, right, across the country, building codes for all these local um, municipalities all over the country. And if you're an insurance carrier and you are trying to underwrite those things matter, right? How do you get it? I was on a call. We do, we do a lot of work on condos, right? And again, we're in the claim space. We're a service provider. So we work almost exclusively for yep. carriers. And somebody on the call, we were talking about the nuts and bolts of things. And we were talking about CC&Rs, in, in, which are critically important in condo. Right. And the carrier that we were talking to said, well, you know, we have a pretty good library, That's a wonderful niche for somebody to, to grab.
0: And and the challenge is in the, in the, in the startup space, right? We're talking about venture and venture. If you're talking to a venture capitalist, people don't really understand. And I frankly only really started to understand this more recently, but their business is based on, you know, they want to make 20 investments out of a fund. And two of those 20 have to be unicorns, billion dollar companies. to be a billionaire, to be worth a billion dollars in five years, you have to triple, you have to get to a million dollars in revenue. You have to triple your revenue two years in a row. So you have to go from one to three to nine. And then you have to double Mm -hmm. three years in a row. So you go from 18 Mm -hmm. to 36 to 72. If you have a $72 million a year business that's doubling year over year, and you multiply that by 12x, which is a a typical valuation multiple for a late stage startup that's growing at that pace, you get to be a billion dollars. If you don't have a chance of going on that triple, triple, double, double, double pace, you're not gonna get investment. Mm -hmm. And what's been challenging is these companies who are getting into a niche, right? They have to convince investors that that niche by itself is big enough to get to be a billion dollar company, or that they can quickly expand outside of that niche to tap into an adjacent market to get to to stay on that same pace. Um, And that's where the challenge is and the good ones do and others don't. Is that a battle that you have fought? I'm fighting it and winning it. So we're on pace to triple revenue this year and on pace to triple again next year. And we're getting a lot of interest from investors. And um, frankly, that's what we need to grow, right? Otherwise we have to focus on profitability and I can't build as much features and functionality as I want because I've got limited engineers. So, (laughs) so being as nice as you can, let's talk about
1: being supported by VCs. Share a little bit about that experience since you were
0: touching on it. It's been extremely educational for me, right? I'm a product led CEO. I think about customers, problems, solutions, right? And, um, that's at least one half, if not maybe 80% of the problem when you're in an early stage startup, uh, right. you go to investors and you say, Hey, I've I found a problem. I've got a solution. I've got a market, like, give me some money. I'm going to go make you a bunch of money, but not fully understanding, you know, the way they think of the world and, and these guys, they get pitched by 2000 companies a year. Right. So they have to make, uh, they have to say no to a lot of companies and they have to, you know, figure out who they're going to bet on, especially earlier stages when there's not a lot of data behind it. So I have a lot of respect for these guys Uh, some are better than others. Some handle things better than others. Uh, some who've invested in us obviously see the opportunity that we do. Um, so, but, but, you know, like any industry, there's, there's some people out there who, you know, you're probably not going to work with and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So the truth Mm -hmm. is you don't, I don't need all of the VCs to love my business, Mm -hmm. right? I probably need two or three Mm -hmm. to get me through my life cycle. Mm -hmm. So my son, like
1: I mentioned, I've mentioned before on the podcast, um, is in a VC backed startup, tech startup. Yep. And his opinion has kind of gone back and forth, honestly, on VCs. And I can say that because, you know, it's an entirely sure. different marketplace that he's in. But um, some, are, some are fabulous, not just in the upfront, here's the money part, but in supporting. Your, the growth of, of your business, right? And helping with those super important connections and contacts that can also come.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, look, let's be honest, the, the best ones are bringing you more than just capital, right? They're mm-hmm. giving you perspective. They're giving you advice. They're helping you plan strategically. They're helping you do scenario planning. They're coaching you on, on how to you know, grow into the areas of expertise that you may not have. They're advising you on how to manage your team. Like they're board members, right? Like the, the ones who yes. lead you around become right. board members and and you want and need them to be, to be good board members. Right. So,
1: so let's talk for a minute about you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Either the least interesting or most interesting part of this whole podcast. We'll find <laughs> <Right>. out. <laughs> okay. um, oh, no pressure. Uh, but one of the interesting things about uh, doing this podcast has been getting introduced to so many people who were not ins- as we call them insurance people or insurance guys or insurance women, whatever the case may be. And so your background was not particularly insurance based. That's right. So, uh, well, so where where in the where in the world did you come from? And that's a leading question because I already know. But but share that with the audience.
0: Yeah, happy to. I'm a product of a Palestinian mother and a Southern father. Grew up in the great state of Louisiana and the wonderful city of New Orleans. Um, Wow. Yeah. So so kind of an interesting mix of cultures coming together there kind of helped me become who I am today. So I grew up in New Orleans. I went to Isidore Newman High School, which is a fairly progressive private school there um, that gives you a little bit liberal arts education and encourages you to to get out into the world, which kind of resonated with my family history that with my parents being, you know, from around the world. And so I was fortunate enough to get accepted to Harvard, uh, where I went and studied computer science and played baseball for four years. Had a fantastic journey there and graduated in 1999 at the height of the dot com boom, And that took me to San Francisco, where I worked at a startup, spent some time with Nextel. I went over to London with Accenture, basically spent my 20s kind of learning how big businesses work in the B2B space. Accenture was somewhat soul-destroying in London, so I jumped back (laughs) into the startup space, uh, joined a small technology company called Shazam before the iPhone launched and helped that grow into one of the largest digital media brands of the decade. Uh, fantastic journey. I ran the business development team there, managed five people, seventeen million dollars in revenue, and cool. After that, set off to do my own things. So did a couple startups. Neither had as much success as Shazam. I spent some time at Tumblr, tried to help turn that around when when it was uh, kind of floating out there, um, and then stumbled onto this opportunity with Broker Buddha. I met some really smart people at an incubator who figured out. Uh, the opportunity. They'd proven it with one of their existing businesses. And they asked me to come and co-found the business, be the CEO and take it to where it is today.
1: That, that, that's really awesome. So when you heard that they have this, what broker bruta is, <laughs> were you like, no, thank you. Uh, uh, you no, know, not interested.
0: I, I, laughed. <laughs> I laughed. I laughed. actually, it's funny. My brother had Somewhat coincidentally, become a broker for Hub in California a few years earlier. Um, his sort of PEO startup had been acquired by Hub. And I called him and I was like, "Look, I met these guys. They seem really sharp, and they're telling me like I was like, I haven't sp- I spent no time in insurance, but they're telling me that like this is the way it works." And and I was like, "Tell me, tell me, there's t- there's there's better tech here for this." And he said, "No," he said, "This is." the industry is way behind. And if you can find something that solves a problem in this space, you're going to be very successful. So, and he, you know, for the most part, validated what, what broker booter was. And, you know, between that conversation and a few others, I said, let's do it. So sign me up. And here we are. And was he right? Oh, he was right. hundred percent. In fact, there's, one of my biggest challenges is is you know I see opportunities every day that we just don't have the capacity to go after right that must and be that I must mean, be maddening
1: just, especially because your spirit is so entrepreneurial i mean if you, you could that, see this guy and I'll just say to our to to our listeners if you could see this guy's resume he's 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 done a few things and um so you're cool. on clearly entrepreneurial
0: yeah that must be hard I think we talked about this earlier I like to learn and grow and I like to invent and create. And so I think we're on to something big here and it's important to focus on it. Uh, that's one of my personal challenges focus? is staying focused. I mean, focuses, <laughs> that's right. I mean, focus focuses for smart people, right? Focus is focus is necessary. So yeah. um, but look, yeah. I, I keep I keep my entrepreneur, you know, I still do I still do business development for the company. I'm always talking to new potential partners, exploring new opportunities. I have an active hand in our product process. Um, so I get my, I get my fix where I need it. Um, mm-hmm. but I do, but I do, you know, I see other opportunities out there that, you know, somebody else can go after, or maybe it'll be here in five years and I'll still, I'll have an opportunity well, to go after it with broker Buddha. That's also, I think
1: a really important skill, skill, maybe art, maybe both talent. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what you want to call it, but that doesn't go away. So, yeah. um, so someday when you guys make your your VCs all really happy there will be that next no opportunity doubt. or there will be an Island somewhere that, um, <laughs> <laughs> that you can name after yourself, something like no that. Um, yeah. Really enjoy having you with us today. Love having you on because I love getting in parts of the business that I don't understand. I mean the whole agency, it's, it's funny because when we started and in, insure tech became insure tech out from just technology for insurance, Brokers and agents were a little freaked out, right? They were like, oh, wow. Are these companies like the Lemonades and the Roots and the Hippos of the world? Are they going to take our cheese? And I think that it's pretty clear that we're, I don't know that that will ever happen. Based on the fact, my personal thesis is insurance is just too complicated and you just don't use it enough to have as a consumer to have a deep understanding of it. You need it. You need an expert to help you.
0: At least when it comes to complex needs, right? I think there's a space for sort of the online insurance capability when you're dealing with relatively simple risks or relatively low exposure situations, right? Homeowner, auto, even small commercial. I think for the most part, people just need a place to go online, put in some information, get a quote and buy a policy. Mm -hmm. When it comes to, you know, anybody spending, anybody who's got more than a million dollars of exposure right? Through any capacity, um, you're spending 10 to 20 to $30,000 on your policies. You need to, you, you want to, you want to know there's somebody behind that <laughs> who's thinking on your behalf, if not at least advising you. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm thrilled for your success five years in, right? I mean, yep. if okay, you can make it five years, that's in. a hell of a testimony and, um, love the name yep. and, um, you should see this little studio. This guy's in everybody. <laughs> So in this really cool studio. Where so are you? Is where, yours. Where, where, where do you reside?
0: I live and work in Manhattan. So, office in Flatiron, live in Chelsea. You know, we got the, the cool exposed brick walls in both of them. Uh huh.
1: Listen, thank you so much for being with us. And everybody, listen to your podcast. Give them one more pitch for your podcast.
0: Yeah, The Enlightened Agent. Uh, Go to brokerbuddha.com and check it out. We're currently running a series on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And about to launch a new one focused on change management. Uh, Both things that are significant pain points in the insurance industry. And I'm excited to talk about them on the show. Awesome. Well,
2: thanks
1: for being with us. And we'll talk again.
0: My pleasure. Thanks, Rob. Take care.
1: Well, Lee, we missed you.
2: Well, I thank you. I, You know, I fell off of that podcast. Yes,
1: you fall down and go boom.
2: I went boom. The internet, I thought Al had fallen off the podcast, but it turned out it was me. So I kept asking questions and you just kept running over them. And I thought, this is pretty normal for you, but it was super rude. I had some good questions and you just didn't want to hear them. Did you? Nobody could see me. No one could hear me. It was me, not you.
1: What I would be worried about if I was you is all the audience reaction that we're going to get that says, you know what, Rob did such a nice job by himself.
2: Yeah, it'll be the same amount that we got when I did it whenever you <laughs> fell off.
1: <laughs> Probably the same people.
2: What's the chances? We've been doing this for four years in a month. You you couldn't finish one and I couldn't finish one. It just it goes because to show
1: you. We're getting it, old. It, well, you are getting old. But we've already talked about that, so don't worry about it.
2: We beat that dead horse.
1: We, Yeah. Thanks to Jason.
2: Super interesting
1: company. You know, another Harvard guy.
2: Another. You know, it's like they're doing something up there at Harvard that makes good people.
1: So here's a thanks to uh, Jason for being with us. Uh, Listen to his podcast and great to learn about Broker Buddha. And thanks to Alicia for all you do including finding people like Jason Keck from Broker Buddha and to you, our loyal listeners without whom this podcast would not exist. And so until next time, we'll say
2: goodbye, everybody.